1025 The Bone, 813. We are live from the home studio. And uh, Gio is here with Gio. You can move that chair up here. Oh, okay. Gio is here with me. I gotta move the Don't worry about bats. those. Most of, the, most of those are just garbage. Uh, Gio is here with me, and for the first time, we have a special guest in the studio. Hey, guys, it's uh, it's Garth Brooks. <laughs> you picked the one voice that nobody knows. I, uh, you haven't watched that special yet? No, I know what you're talking about. If, oh, you, no, start, if you start crying, I'll believe it's Garth Brooks. Uh, <laughs> let me tell you how much I love this show. <laughs> I love this show, uh, god damn it. Uh, I'm just kidding. Tracy Morgan's here with us. Tracy, hey, how are you? what's happening, white people? <laughs> God damn it, that is the best Tracy Morgan. That's crazy. Jim Brewer's Tracy Morgan is really, really good, and he was in the building with him and worked with him. Oh, yeah. But when you do it, it's I feel like if I close my eyes, I feel like Tracy Morgan. That's obviously Craig Gass is here with us. Yeah, well, I, I've spent a lot of time around the guy, and I just uh, I would always go like, dude, have you hung out with that guy? And yeah. then everybody, we would always share stories with him, and then the more I share the stories about him, the more the voice just kind of comes out. It was the same thing as like when I was a kid kid watching Sam Kennison and I would tell people stories like did you see when he went up there and he was like hey guys I know that um, I know you guys uh, like like the the word of the gospel and that's why I did it so much that I did cocaine <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God damn, that's eerie. Did I ever tell you that Kinnison story that um, it was so out of left field? Bob Costas used to have this amazing show at night. Yes, I remember it. Uh, after yeah. Letterman. Yeah, it was like uh, uh, Johnny Carson followed by Letterman followed by Later with Bob Costas. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, so at the time that that show was on, I'm in uh, high school, and I would watch Johnny Carson to get to Letterman. Mm-hmm. And then at Letterman, I was like, God, ah, Letterman's good. Now it's 12.30, the show started. Letterman started at 12.30, it was over at 1.30. Yep. And I had to get up to go to school the next day. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, uh, I got to, oh, wait, who does Costas have? I would watch it every night. And every night I'd be all sleeping. But I believe that it was better for me that I did that because that was where my future was. Yeah, because Costas had an interest in people that every person that sat in front of him, at some point in the interview would go, how did you know that? Yeah, like yeah, he, yeah. his homework was so thorough, and he said uh, they, they had this preview tonight. His guest is comedian Sam Kinison, and I thought, what is Bob like? There's no. How I, is that going to work? Gonna work yeah. It was more out of curiosity. And Bob Costas actually says to the guy, he goes, Sam, I used to watch you back in Hollywood, back in the early '80s, back when you'd be the last comedian on stage. And you used to have an entire act based on that day's obituaries. <laughs> and I remember saying to myself, you know what? This guy is funny, but he's too dirty and he'll, he'll never make it. And Kinnison goes, oh, my God, yeah. I, I, and he explains the bit. I've never even heard about this. He said, I used to go on stage and go, hey, folks, my name's Sam Kinnison. And uh, I want to thank you guys for coming out tonight. I want to thank you guys for supporting stand-up comedy. And then he'd pull out that day's obituaries and go, I'll tell you a couple people you won't be seeing here tonight. <laughs> and he would just start rattling off the names of people who just died. And he'd go, like, Esther Goldberg? No. <laughs> yeah, no, she didn't catch the bus. She's not here. But apparently, if you want to see her work, it's going to be on display this Sunday at Evergreen Mortuary! Just woke my kids up. Oh, sorry. Uh, oh my god, I'm sorry. No. Uh, now, what what is that like when you pull up to somebody's house? You're like, oh god, this is gonna be awful. No, it's. Uh, I actually, I don't know why it, it took me. You're like the tenth or twelfth radio buddy whose house I've been to. Oh, really? And I don't know why, but it just hit me like. Radio people are doing so much better than comedians. <laughs> like, I haven't been to Dane Cook's house, and I don't know Eddie Murphy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've been to a bunch of radio guys. I've been a bunch of uh, musicians, like rock star dudes' houses. Yeah, yeah. You know, and lived in Eddie Van I lived at Eddie Van Halen's house. and But I never actually went into his mansion. He He has four... Houses on his property. He's got right. a mansion. I shouldn't be going into this much no. detail. No, no. I like, you can Google can you Earth. Tell this? Me what angle? Like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Security oh, gate code. <laughs> Do you know the address? Can we Google Earth it? When does the dog? I will it? say this. It's shocking how easy his uh, security code oh. is. I'll say that. But 5150. No, no, no. It's not. It's not fifty-one fifty. But oh, it's one two. It's, it's it's shocking how easy his his security code is. But uh, he's got a mansion and a guest house, and then. Up the hill is the original property he lived at, which is a more modest house and a recording studio. And I lived in the recording studio okay. for a few months back in 2004. And that's when um, 
Did we ever get into that on, on your show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't he like, kick you out after some point? He didn't kick me out. I found Or just, out like, forget you were there. <laughs> there was one awkward moment where he, like, had a weird, like, reaction to me. And I was like, and I, it was like, I think he was, he might have been. I know people up. that have been, that he has become friends with. Yeah. And then, and then the next, like, does a complete 180 out of the blue. And it's like, I don't know why you're here. I don't know who you are. And yeah. Not, not he, that he doesn't recognize him, but that he doesn't, like, I like forgot that you were friends a couple of days ago. I moved in there because I, uh, my relationship, I was dating this, this girl that was just, I had no right to be with. She was beautiful, but she was a mess. Yeah. And, um, uh, she was really damaged. Uh, and I moved in because our relationship had taken a bad turn. And then found out a year later that Eddie's assistant, who also lives on the property, was banging her the whole time. Oh, really? They 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 almost got married. They were together for five years. Wow. Yeah, but Eddie, um, he, I called him once when Van Halen reunited with uh, with Dave, and I hadn't talked to him in a long time. And I told the story on the Howard Stern show about what that experience was like living at Eddie's house and. And uh, so he was actually really cool when I called him, and he said, "Hey, who's this?" And I go, "I go, Ed, it's uh, it's Craig Gas." And he goes, "Hey, man, what's going on?" I go, "Nothing. I haven't talked to you in a while. What have you been up to?" And he said, "Sitting on the toilet, taking a dump." And I go, "Oh, you want me to call you later?" And he goes, "He goes, no, talk to me. What's going on?" And I go, "Oh no, I'll, I'll, I'll call you later." And he goes, "No, he goes, he goes, talk to me. What's what's going on?" And I go, "I I'll, I'll, I never called him again because sometimes, like in a moment." Don't you have people's phone numbers? They yes. give you their phone number, and then you're like, I don't want to bother that guy. So many. Yeah. And then they go, uh, why didn't you give you my number? And I go, I don't know. I don't want to be that guy. Like, like uh, Batista lives here, yep. and I like him. And we've gone out to dinner and stuff before, and I hadn't seen him in a while. And I was like, well, I'm going to hit him up see if he wants to do something. And I was like, nah. I don't. Plus, I, I think some people, and not Batista, but I think some people think that everything you do is for the show. And right. I don't, and I, there are some people that you just want to be friends with. You know what I yep. mean? So, uh, yeah, I have a lot of numbers that I never use. There was one guy, uh, the only famous guy who gave me his phone number, and I called him the next day. It was only because I was, like, really jacked up on espresso, <laughs> and I felt euphoric. You ever hit, like, that perfect zone where you feel kind of euphoric from yeah. um, from espresso? And uh, uh, I called Paul Stanley the day after <laughs> he gave me his phone number. <laughs> and when he picked up the phone, he went, Hello? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Paul. This is Gene Simmons from Kiss. And Paul goes, okay. <laughs> and I started selling him Kiss products. And then I finally paused and said, Paul, it's, it's Craig Gass. I was just messing with you, man. Sorry about that. And he goes, you know, I was going to say, you're starting to sound like that dumb comedian. And, like, oh, oh, man. and then once I started hearing him talk, I was like, oh, my God, this is Paul Stanley. I got really nervous. I was like, all right, I got to poop. I'll see you later. Bye. But, I hung the phone, like, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it, there's people who give me their numbers, and I just I feel nervous about calling them. I feel like I'm bothering them. So, um, this is going to be this is one of the gayest stories you'll ever hear. Sure. So, I grew up in New York, you know, and I and in the I graduated high school in 89. So, Bon Jovi was I hope something actually gay happens in this story. <laughs> this is going to be the gayest story you ever heard. Uh, Me and my buddy uh, and we, a shoehorn. <laughs> we banged out to Bon Jovi. Uh, Bon Jovi's <laughs> album was out and uh, I mean, you know, Slipper and White was huge. We all we went to see it when we graduated high school and we see the concert and stuff. So I've always been a big fan. And uh, one of my uh, friends bought me a Bon Jovi fan club membership. And it comes with like a little credit card thing. So I always kept it in my wallet. And years later, I'm in radio. Yeah. And I go into a Ruby Tuesdays and sit down. And the waiter goes, what, this must be famous person day at the Ruby Tuesdays. I go, why? He goes, I got, uh, you're here. And I got John Bon Jovi's mother over there. And I was like, oh, shut up. I want to meet her. So he's like, let me ask her. So she, I went over there and I met with her, and she couldn't have been any nicer. And uh, she's like, well, you know, I run the fan club. And I go, oh, I know. And I pulled my fan club card. <laughs> so she, we talked for an hour, and she writes her home number down, and she gives me her home number, and she's like, listen to me. When you come up to New Jersey to go see your grandmother, no. you, stay. Like, you stay with me. You're in the family now. What? And she's like, you call me. I have a big house. You're in a blah, 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 blah. And... Uh, 
never called her for anything. There was no way in the world. What am I going to be like? Hi, Miss Bunger. Remember the guy you met every yeah. Tuesdays in Clearwater one time? <laughs> I want to judge I'm ready you. Ready to stay at your house? Yeah. I'm like there's never, but it was a nice moment to have with the lady. John Bon Jovi. I had a completely unintentional dickhead moment with. Who was the dickhead? You or him? I was, mm. and it, he took it the wrong way. Howard had a thing about uh, not bothering the guests. Yeah. So, and I never really wanted to, like, talk to anybody off the air. But John Bon Jovi came in, and I was trying to get tickets to his show. (laughs) He had two sold-out nights at Giant Stadium. And I I honestly, actually, I don't even think it was my intention to, like, I knew he was coming in. I saw him on the guest sheet. But he comes in and says, man, this guy. And he points at me. He goes, this guy does amazing. I love this guy. And I was like, oh, no way. And I was Uh was super stoked that John Bon Jovi, like, and then he said a couple other nice things about me during the interview. And I did this move. It's I, I'm embarrassed to admit this. I ran out ahead of him and went into the bathroom. Uh, came back out of the bathroom and just kind of hung around the bathroom area, uh, waiting, for, waiting him to, for him to get out. Wait, and he hung out with Howard for a little bit. And then when he strolled out, I was like, "Oh, hey, John, uh-huh. great job today." And he's like, "Oh, thanks a lot, funny man." And he he starts walking in the elevator. And I said, "Oh, hey, uh, quick question." I go. Um, you're doing Giant Stadium Friday and Saturday? And he goes, yeah. And I go, those shows aren't really sold out, are they? And he got inside the elevator. You might have taken it the way he did. He looked at me and went, oh, that's cold, dude. <laughs> Bing! And then the elevator was closed. And I was like, no, that's not what I meant. I was trying to do a pathetic, right, hey, let like, get you tickets. Are, those not sold out, are they? Because I, I, I want to. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was kind of embarrassing. That's rough. I but, was there, by the way. At the shows at Giant Stadium? God, I think I've been to every Giant Stadium show they've played, played at. Really? Yeah. Because, it, Mike, uh, would you like to tell him you didn't call uh, John Bon Jovi's mom, but you did write to somebody, didn't you? Or a letter to Richie Sambora <laughs> one time when I was younger. And put it in the this mailbox. is all brand new. I had no idea you had a love for Bon Jovi. Put it in this. the mailbox at his house. Oh, see, there was, this was, I mean, which was 30 years ago. Um, the best is, so I do the podcast with Bobby Kelly, and the producer of that podcast is David Bryan's daughter, the keyboard player from Bon Jovi. Really? So, yeah, so now I got Dave's number, and him and I will text every once in a while, and I'm like, hey, what's up, Dave? Do you get excited about it when he... Uh, I got really excited when we interviewed him on the show one time, Yeah. and I, re- I was asking questions and remembering things that I don't think that he even did, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this teenage girl's your biggest fan right here. See, that that's why anybody who I meet that I really respect and admire, I will not talk to them about what they do. Because yeah. I'll only talk to them about comedy, and then I feel comfortable. And the moment they start describing their life or something they've done, then I'll go, yeah, oh, my God. Remember when you uh, – like, I'll, and then I'll start losing it, and then I'm gone. And, yeah. I'm, and then I'm no longer on You're, their you level. become a fan. Of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to do that. I don't, I don't know. It, it's, it must be hard. Uh, so what other radio guys' house have you been to, and where does mine rank in there? I need to be the best house at all times. It's actually really nice. Um, You've only been in the garage. So. Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> Johnny Dare, who's in a smaller market, he's got like a, a big estate. Um, a big estate? I need a big estate. You don't well, call it an when estate. Well, I say actually, estate. I mean, when I say estate, he's, he's got a lot of land. And uh, but he does a lot of kid like stuff, or he he has like pyro, like he puts on a giant like Halloween show, right, in his backyard for his neighbors. I'll never do that. Um, I can't believe he does it because yeah. word gets out about where he lives, and I, you I, know what's so funny, Craig, is that uh, I I'm very realistic about my level of of popularity and success, and people aren't clamoring to find out where I live. But also in Florida, you basically just have to put my name into Google, and it gives you my address. If you follow me on Snapchat, you could pretty much see a picture of my house. (laughs) Like, it's just no sense in trying to hide. When I bought this house, I've only lived here for two years. When I bought this house, I actually went to my real estate attorney, and I said, is there a way to stop this information from going on the internet because they do that for police officers and other people and he said yeah you have to fill out this thing and then I thought I'm going to go through all this trouble and in five minutes some nerd's going to put it on the internet anyway forget it and I let it go so now I'm like hey I, I, have, I live where there's guards so if you're in here you're not supposed to be you've already broken a law Okay. and then I have a lot of guns so if we really want to get into it let's get into it yeah and I think we had this discussion last time I saw you did you ever have any like really you had crazy stalkers before right I've had I've had I've had, I've had security for a while okay. like I had to have security take me to and from 
Wow. <laughs> Which is something one day we'll do. You know, you even know about that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, one day we'll talk about it in detail. But, and, yeah. and I think I brought this up before. There's this weird thing where movie stars feel like they live on another planet, TV stars, you know. But there's something about listening to a radio show. There's an intimacy to getting to know somebody's life that if you're also mentally ill, yes. there's just this this blurred thing of, I know this guy. Just, I'm friends with Just tell with this last week, there was a guy who was uh, accusing us of broadcasting his life through the radio station. <laughs> and I, But I've gone through this before with listeners, so I understand what's going on. And I reached out to the guy, and I said, say what you're saying out loud to yourself and think of how ridiculous it sounds. Wow. And the guy wrote back, and he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm struggling with some stuff. And I was like, okay. I was like... We, I get it. You know what I mean? People go through some stuff, but uh, I, there are way too many people that think that the radio is manipulating their life somehow or we're listening to them in their homes. It's it's very odd. I, there was a story about, uh, and I might have told you this before, about a, a police officer, uh, a female police officer who was having mental issues and was let go from the LAPD. No. This is a 20-year-old story. She believes that she's getting messages from the local ABC weatherman uh, during his uh, weather forecast, okay. and he starts promoting a appearance that he's doing at the LA Marathon. She receives it as, you need to start training for the marathon, <laughs> and she starts training for the LA Marathon, and she runs the LA Marathon, and at the end of her run, the guy is there doing a, a live remote. And she runs into his live remote and goes, hey, I did it. And he goes, you did it. <laughs> hey, you did it. All right. You did it. He's like patting her on the back, you know. And she's like, what do you want me to do now? And he's like, what? You, you want me to what? Uh-huh. What do you want me to I'm, I'm done. What, now what? What do you like? You know, I would have been like, trained to be an astronaut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been ready to go. <laughs> yeah, it was all like, uh, it was a big story 20 or 25 years ago in L.A., but that is frightening. Like, I've never, every once in a while, I meet somebody who will show up at a lot of shows, and I'll be like, wow, this is weird, but I've never felt, and I've gotten emails, long, rambling emails that I just go, I'm not even responding to that. Yeah, like, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's psychotic. But. Uh, it, it, you know, so with social media, the way they have it set up right now is that if you're friends with somebody, they can communicate with you. But if you're not, they'll put you in a mailbox that you don't see unless you search it out one day. And sometimes I like to go through those things. I don't want people to think I'm ignoring them. But then I go through it, and if you've sent me an email that's like three pages long, I'm not reading it. Yeah. I'm just telling you right now. Get in the first line, if it doesn't grab me, I'm like, no. Have you resisted responding to people on, like, do you, do you like, fight people on Twitter, or do you? I, if I'm fighting on people on Twitter, it's because I, f- I feel like fighting that day. Okay. I don't, none of it, like, uh, none of it ever bothers me. But sometimes I'm disappointed. Like, there was a guy yesterday on Twitter that was trying to get at me, and I just kept answering his questions. And he was like, you don't get it. I'm a troll. I'm trolling you, and you fell for it. I go, no, I get it. I go... You don't get it. But yeah, I go, I just... I'm wanting you to be more entertaining. I go, yes, you're annoying, but you're not doing... Like, I'm... Step up your level. I'm giving you opportunities. I'm engaging you. And then every troll's response turns into oh, i got it in your head yeah if you if i ignore you or block you i'm a pussy right but if i respond to you and treat you like an normal person then you got in my head i'm like oh well, you win my ex jill could tell from the sound of my typing <laughs> you fighting with your fans I go babe this guy's an idiot she goes, he loves you i don't want him to love me screw this guy this guy's an idiot i don't I, none of that stuff nobody ever says anything on twitter there was a point where uh, uh people were reposting pictures of my kids but saying you know dirty things or whatever uh, like some guy took a picture of my son sitting on my lap and said i was a pedophile and none of that bothers me but i'm like yeah i should probably not make those pictures as accessible Available. yeah so i like you know just for their sake not just so that they're not embarrassed by it you know there was one guy who made a some weird comment and it what i wasn't posting something funny i was just posting something and he said Oh, that wasn't funny, or that was a stinker, or something. And I said, "Oh man, I'm sorry. I didn't know that you were authority mm-hmm. on stand-up yeah. comedy." Hey man, I'll, let me—I'll uh, make another post 
Uh, you show me, because I, I certainly want to learn. Yeah, how I to can be... fix it up a little bit. Yeah, please. And then I made another post. Hey, look at, you know, F-Face Jeff on the last post. Right. And he's going to teach me how to do stand-up comedy. <laughs> and they, they, they don't realize that you just entered into a bit now. Yeah. They think they butt-hurt you so bad that you have to respond to it. Well, what's weird is the guy started making the mistake of doubling down on everything. And he said, I could put a funnier act together in four weeks than you and then Challenge I went, accepted. I I said I called the comedy store and I said hey can we do a date in uh you know what room is available in a month They're like oh we can get you up in the in the main room I was like all right let's do it uh, and I go all right dude we're all set we're gonna you're gonna teach me stand-up comedy I'm gonna pay for a plane ticket to fly you out to LA and you're going on stage to the comedy store all I need you to do is put together maybe five minutes worth of stand-up and then I want you to put together five or ten insults about me because I'm going to do the same about you. Right. So put together your insults. And then Sam Kinison's brother, Bill Kinison, chimes in and says, I'll judge it. And I was like, oh, we got to judge. We got to judge. And, and it kept building and building and building. And the guy backed out and said, if you would have come to New York, I would have gone. Oh, you know? always, and then I booked the show in New York. Yeah. And I promoted it on Opie Anthony. And the guy still didn't show up. And both shows... I took all the money from the ticket sales and donated it to a local mental health uh, <laughs> facility. And I said to help out people like you who right, need help. Right. So, but yeah, that was. Um, uh, I dude, love them. Speaking of mental health, I I wanted to tell you on the phone, and I said I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you the story. Yeah. So I've been single for uh, a year. I met this girl who I really hit it off with. This is great information because I don't know anything about Craig. I don't know if he's. <laughs> I thought he was dying. For a while, I don't know if he's straight, gay, I don't know if he's married, sometimes he has hair, sometimes he doesn't. You know what's funny? I was You're so elusive. I feel the same about you. I'm like, I've never really hung out with Mike. There was one time we hung out at like a GameWorks or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. On, on Super Bowl Sunday. Yep. And, uh, but aside from that, I've never really hung out with you outside the studio. But uh, I met this girl and it was like amazing. This, this girl was, uh, we hit it off really well. I was shocked that she was into me. And um, I was going on the road for a little while, and I said, let's meet up in a month in Vegas. And I got a room and got her room, separate rooms. Right. We haven't had sex. So, uh, and she said, I don't know if I feel comfortable sleeping in the same room. That's fine. And by the time we get to Vegas, we've been talking on the phone for a month, and I already know this girl's kind of weird. Oh. Uh, there's some signs. I don't know if this makes you feel weird, but she's a beautiful girl who every photo of her is a selfie. On her, uh, it doesn't make you feel weird, but you no know friends. what you're into. It j- no, it's it's <laughs> she has friends, but she's just has a, she knows that she's hot, okay. and all of her pictures are just of her right. being hot. And so I, uh, I don't know if that laughter is because Carmen's page is like is Carmen's page all selfie? <laughs> uh, yeah, but is it because she has no friends? So. <laughs> oh, so I got uh, selfies, okay? I oh, I thought we all you were sleeping. So, <laughs> so I already know this is gonna be this could be weird. Uh, so I'm just I'm gonna get through the three day trip, four day trip, whatever. I take her to go see Love and uh-huh. in, uh, in Vegas, and my buddy who runs the Love Theater says, "Hey, guess who is down the hall at my other theater watching Tom Segura?" And I said, "Who?" And he said, "Corey." And Jason and Zach and starts naming all these people. And I go, oh, no way. Let's go over and say hi to him. And the girl looks at me and goes, who's Corey and Jason? I go, oh, uh, uh, Corey is um, uh, he's a musician. Uh, he sings for the band uh, Slipknot and Stone Sour. Yeah. And she goes, I love Stone Sour. And I go, uh, yeah, well, Corey's a singer. Uh, Alicia is his wife. I actually married them a couple months ago. Shut up. She's so hot. Yeah, she's. Uh, I, I married. I did like a mock wedding for them as Elvis and married them at their house. <laughs> and uh, um, I think we're putting that video out in the next two weeks, actually, of that of that marriage. But um, and I said, and then Jason, Corey's got a solo band. He's putting out some some uh, an album with in the next like two weeks. And I start telling her who everybody is. And then we go hang out with everybody, and then two of them join us for dinner, and they say to her, hey, are you are you staying here until Monday? Are you coming with us on Monday? And she goes, coming where? And they go, we're having dinner at Corey's house. 
Craig didn't tell you, and I said, "Oh, she's flying. Uh, she, yeah, she can't. She, she's flying out." And they go, "You should change your flight." And I went, "Oh no, she, uh, she can't." And they go, "Oh my God, Corey has the biggest house, and he lives on this golf estate." And I'm like, "Yeah, but she, she's got to go, man. She's." And I'm like, "Look, they don't know that I'm trying to tell them, like, dude, shut up." Yeah. The next morning, she again, she's down the hall from me. She's three rooms down from me. I open up my laptop. I go to my Facebook page. It's a post from her, and it says, if Corey Taylor asked you to change your flight so that he could make you dinner, would you do it? Oh, that did not happen. And all of her fans, uh, she's a singer, Uh all of her fans start going, isn't he married? And I went, oh, my God. And so now I know, all right, I can't. I can't even attempt to have sex with this girl because that, that'll just you mess. you got to cut it off. Yeah, you has got to yeah, cut it off. Let yeah. me just get through these next two days. I go down to her room. I knock on her door. She pulls me into room. She, we start making out. And I'm like, oh. I'm going to have sex with her once. Then I'll yeah. her once. Yeah. And then it was just sex, <laughs> yeah. like, all weekend. Like, oh. I'll cross and, my fingers. <laughs> yeah. She leaves. I head to New York to do my final shows on the 13th and 14th of March in New York. And uh, she calls me on the 11th, starts calling and texting, and she says, hey, call me. It's important. Uh-oh. And I'm like, how can you be pregnant after two days? <laughs> like, like, and I, we've learned on the Maury Povich show, it just takes one time. <laughs> <laughs> I called her up, and I said, hey, what's up? And she goes, um, well, this isn't fun to have this conversation, but I need to talk to you because it's the right thing to do. And I said, okay. And she said, I need to tell you. I have the coronavirus, and I went. Oh. I go okay. How, how did you? How'd you get a test? And she said, Well, when I got home, I had this. I had a. a I have this sore throat, and I called my doctor, and I and uh, I said, Hey, can I get a test for the coronavirus? And she said, I can't get you a test for the coronavirus. It's it's you got to be really sick. And I said, Well, um, it might be strep, so I might be contagious. And she said, All right come in and we'll test you for strep. So they tested me for strep and they tested me for the flu. Both of them came back negative. So I have to quarantine myself for 14 days. And I went, all right, but how do you know you have the coronavirus? She said, I've been, I am quarantining myself now. And I said, okay, so nobody's actually told you you have the coronavirus. And she goes, I'm quarantining now. (laughs) And I go, yeah, no, I I understand you. I'm just saying, you started this conversation by saying, I have the coronavirus. And she goes, yeah, well, my doctor said it could be, and I need to quarantine just to be safe. And I said, all right, whatever. And then I tell her some information I thought would be helpful. I said, you know what you might want to look into? Joe Rogan just had this amazing epidemiologist on his podcast from Minnesota, and he gave out a wealth of information right. about the coronavirus. I would recommend checking out that video. Within an hour, she comes up on my Facebook page with a link to that video of Joe Rogan and says, hey, everybody, you might want to watch this because I have the coronavirus. <laughs> And she goes on and on about, you know, hey, this is really helpful information. If I can get it, you can get it. Everybody, please be careful. People start asking her the same questions. My mom is sick. I can't get a test. How did you get a test? Where do I go to get a test? And she said, well, I didn't test for the corona. I tested for the strep, and I tested for the flu, and I'm quarantining myself. And multiple people are going, so no one actually said that you have the coronavirus? But she's quarantined. She's quarantining. She deleted the whole thing. And then two weeks later, there's some other stuff that happened in between. Uh Two weeks later, she goes on a really popular podcast. As a survivor of the coronavirus. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. God. And the guy whose podcast it is, I text him and said, dude. She never asked. You gotta, you gotta, and he said, are you saying she's lying? I said, I cannot confirm she's lying. <laughs> but here's what I can she tell you. She confirm she had coronavirus. Yeah, it was, it was insane. Oh, and that, that, that podcast is out there going viral of this girl. And it's like, and it was all... Yeah, she's completely insane. That is that is hilarious. Yeah, dude. Um, uh, no, no blowback from Corey Taylor. Corey, Corey texted me a week later and said, "Dude, your girl's got corona." Uh. <laughs> and I go, first of all, she's not my girl. Secondly, uh, dude, this is this is what happened." And I tell him the whole thing, and I said, uh, "I go, actually, you know what? There's one of the. I wasn't even sure if I was going to tell you this." And I sent him a screenshot of what she said about right. about Corey. Hey, Corey Taylor offered to make me dinner. 
And all Corey sent back was, I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> like, like he was so pathetic. Like, dude, the only girl you can get is some weirdo who thinks that, like, she, she wants to bang Corey Taylor. We, uh, we had him on the show one time. We were like, hey, how, how mad are you guys? In Slipknot, every time you play Florida, and you're like, whose goddamn idea was it to wear these masks? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude, that's, uh, yeah, his his new thing that he's putting out is is crazy. Man. He's super talented. Super talented and super chill. Yeah, nice guy. He's just guy. like a, a super laid-back dude. He's, um, uh, yeah, it's kind of strange. Like, we just kind of bonded over being in recovery, and then... And then over time, it just, you know, we did these shows together last year, the Corey Taylor and Friends shows, mm-hmm. which is what his band is now. It's right. just a, a bunch of friends of his. And, um, and it was just silly. I would just go out on stage every night and just do a, say that I worked for Corey Taylor. <laughs> uh, nobody knew who I was right, in, these, so in could... some of these markets. And, you know, uh, it's the same thing I did when I opened for Metallica. I was just going out on stage and just saying, my name's Craig. I am Metallica Soundman. Everyone's like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Listen, uh, the band has some really important announcements, and they just started making up crap that is not happening. And that's how I did an entire set of just like, you might have heard some rumors, and it's true. Metallica's recording our first ever live album right here tonight. (sighs) So I need your attention. I need your attention. There's a proper way to yell on a live album. And... They followed every gay instruction I gave them. <laughs> and then by the time I walked out, it was like, man, that sound man is hilarious. Yeah, and, yeah, but they just... don't even know that they got it. That's, that's good. I like that. Ed. Just, you could be Eddie Murphy and try to go out there in front of a group of, of concert goers and be funny. And it's, I don't know how they would do it. Yeah, it's uh, Big J. Okerson is the only guy I know. Well, I guess Brewer. Actually, no, Brewer didn't even do stand-up when he was out in Metallica. He did like uh a warm-up thing right, right. where he would do, like, contests. And, like, Big J. Ogerson is the only guy I know that just went out. Please welcome comedian Big J. Ogerson. And he went out and opened for Corn, which I could never. Yeah. I mean, he looks like he one of the, he's a Corn fan. So hmm. it, it kind of fits in. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not. It's the worst gig that you could do. I don't even know why I try to get those gigs but the only way i can get away with it and i've done it many times now and and i just do the same formula i did with metallica 15 years ago and that came out of fear it was just like i'm just scared to uh to be in front of this crowd and i know they won't accept me as a comedian so if i say that that i work for the band they'll listen to brilliant yeah by the way did they ever tell you what lars's introduction to the rest of metallica was for me (laughs) Because no. you guys know that my family is deaf. and I don't, No, no, no. You say your family is deaf. <laughs> I don't know. That's another one of the stories I have no idea if it's true. <laughs> even that better. Not confirmed. Even oh. better than that was Lars Ulrich introduced me to his band going, Hey, man, this is Craig Gass. His whole family's retarded. I go, they're not retarded. <laughs> they're deaf, man. It's like, too deaf, retarded, whatever. His whole family's retarded. I'm like, dude, it's like, you get my story wrong, dude. That's that's really that offensive. It's hilarious. Yeah, though, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it's actually sadly it's funnier than anything I did opening for Italian. Uh, it's like doing the shows. Uh, I'm performing in Port Charlotte this weekend, and the headliner at in Port Charlotte is the Lysol bomb they're doing at the show. It's like they're sanitizing that room, Visani. It's the yo, the, I love it. The comedy zone down there. Uh, I've heard a lot of great. Have you not been there? It. Never been there. Okay, so let me prepare you for what you're. In for okay. When you pull up, it looks like I have like a wild nose hair that's just driving me nuts. When you pull up, it um, it looks like a medieval times, okay. like you'd see like in Orlando or something from the outside. And you're like, oh god, what did I get into? Then you go inside, fantastic, great room. Staff is super cool. Manager is cool. Stage is great. I actually did comedy there with Bobby Kelly last time he was here. Really? So yeah, you'll you'll love it. I'm surprised it's the first time you're out there. Great, great food. Yeah, great food, food too. Yeah. Every restaurant says they have great food. Every comedy club, and then you get uh, popcorn and Salisbury steak. It's right. gross. These people, you want to get there early and eat dinner. I actually they have hand make at- their pasta. It yeah. is so good. It's legit. Really. Yeah, yeah I've, I've actually been looking at their menu because it's such an extensive and impressive looking menu. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big, nice place. You'll dig it. Well, they're only doing fifty percent. It's still the way they seating. the way they seat it. Yeah, they did. That's how it was when we were there. And the way they rearrange the tables, it's up front so that you feel like you're actually playing to people. You know what I mean? Okay. So as opposed to like you, you think 
fifty percent is going to be a half empty room. It's not the way they seat it out. It makes you feel comfortable when you're on stage, like you're hmm. actually playing to a group, a large group. It's a large. It's a big room, so fifty percent is a lot of people, and you'll feel safe. Well, they're sanitizing the room after every show. Yeah. And then they're doing these Lysol bombs that they only need to do once a month, but they're doing them once a week. Yeah. And and that is the headliner. Is the Lysol like. bomb. I'm doing, I'm doing Wednesday through Saturday this week in Port Charlotte. But this is how you sell it. You come see the Lysol bomb on Wednesday and yeah. Craig, Craig bomb on Thursday. <laughs> the gas bomb. <laughs> how do you like doing stand-up? Do you do like a, a set set every show? or No. I, uh, I, so what do you tell him? I have a don't listen. No, it's, it's, I've said nothing. I've been nothing but complimentary about your stand-up. Nope. Thank you. Nope. nope. I wrote a set uh, for the night that I was with Bobby. Okay. And then when I did it a, a couple of months later, again with Bobby, I used a couple of those jokes and wrote some new things. And I do like it. To, I like to do it to where if I have friends in town and they're like, "Hey, come on, do it," I can yeah. go out there and do it. I have no aspirations to go on tour to be uh, to be working every weekend as a comic, so I could uh, I could handle fifteen minutes. Well, when I saw you was with Mark Norman, or Mark Norman. Fifteen yeah. minutes is a long time for not having done. But stand-up. but I talk for a living, so and I'm True. extremely comfortable on stage, so I've already won in those two areas, right there. But one thing you see from radio people sometimes is when they do a joke and they don't realize how it's going to land. Because if they live in a bubble of being like around three or four people, sometimes they get surprised by a laugh or surprised that there's not a laugh. Uh, I'm surprised. I'm not surprised when there's not a laugh, but you have to figure out how to not get stuck in that, oh my God, they didn't laugh. What do I do? Also, trust me, you have to earn your laughs on this show. We will will let you hang out there if you make a bad joke. Did I ever tell you that that amazing bombing story that Dane Cook told me? About him bombing at that club that we all used to work at. I don't remember. It's uh, we all used to work at a place called uh, the Boston Comedy Club. Yeah. And Dane told me a story about doing a one thirty a.m. set there once on a Wednesday night, and there was six people in the room. One of the six people had all of his groceries on the table. <laughs> yeah, I think you can. Yeah. Uh, because but can I tell you though that that is why I don't want to. Try Go to a comedy club. A, well, why I don't want to try and become a comedian at this stage, or, or like to do it seriously, because I don't have, I'm not going to, to a club at one o'clock in the morning that has six people in it to work out material. Right. I'm, I'm happy going to a place where people know who I am, and I'm going to get cheap laughs based on my popularity. That's good enough for me. Yeah, but th- there does become this addiction to wanting to work on material, and like I remember being at the comedy store, like. 12.30 at night on a weeknight, and this nice car pulled in the parking lot. Chris Rock gets out, and he walks up. There's a couple of us comics standing in the back, and he goes, how many people are in there? How's it going? And someone goes, oh, it's like six people. And he goes, is it a good six? <laughs> and, I was like, and I totally get that, because if they're tired and drunk, then it's like, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go home. Right, right, right. But if they're actually six attentive people, Laughing at I'll go do it. See, the other problem is that some of my... Uh Good friends are some of the best comedians in the world right now. <laughs> so it's hard to, you know what I mean? It's hard to uh, just try to be like, I think I might want to do this when you already know who the best people are. True. It, it's, uh, yeah. And do they give you a hard time for it? Do any of your comic friends give you a hard time for it? So uh, Bobby is pretty honest with me. And he was like, dude, I expected you to be comfortable because you're a radio guy. And he goes, and but I didn't expect you to be funny and good. He goes, you, you did great. But now I don't know if that's just Bobby being a good friend or if that's what I, Gio was there, and Gio didn't like it. That's not true. I, I said <laughs> he was true. very good. Did you very come true. to the show the Monday true. after and give it a critique? Is that why he's saying that? Yeah, I came the next day. I was the only one from the show that took the time to go watch Mike stand up, by the way. Right. And it was I, in Port Charlotte? That's no, it was uh, Side Splitters. splitters. That's Side Splitters, okay. No, yeah, but I stayed, I stayed to watch both your sets. Oh, uh, that's true. Yeah, that's I true. saw the initial set, then Mark Norman went up there, and he killed, was awesome, and then you came again, and you did a great job. Then you came yeah. in and crapped on it on Monday morning. Great Not job, true. Joe. What did you say to crap on it on Monday morning? I don't even remember. I, these guys are giving me bust on my balls. I thought it was great. He was saying that it was, they were like, I go, I would say something like, Bobby said I, I killed, and Gio said it was good. Like, yeah. he wouldn't agree with the yeah. verbiage. Right, kind of like you so. just said, Mark Norman killed. <laughs> right. yeah, and, yeah. and then Mike went up, and it was it was good. It was yeah. it was impressive. For whatever reason, you always remember your worst sets. It's I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you right now, I've done it maybe seven times, eight times, and I don't have one where I'm like, oh, my God, that one was embarrassing. It was all middle of the road. Really? I go up, say hi, a couple of laughs, here's the next guy. Exactly. It all worked out perfect. Middle of the That's road. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> 
people laughed. That's good. That's the point. Other people, about- other people laughed, right, Gio? <laughs> other people, not me so much, but you know, other See what people. I go through. I like the the, the the joke with your daughter. That was good. I don't remember. Yeah, it was, it was a great one. <laughs> do you don't. You really don't do a, a, like the same set for. Uh, no, I'll I'll probably pull a couple of jokes out of it, but okay. uh, I try to come up with new stuff. You know. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, it's a good I, idea. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> see, you see. Uh, no, I try to come because I feel like the people that have seen me uh, with Bobby have now seen me, and people going to see Mark Norman also came to see Bobby Kelly, so right. they're going to get the same stuff if they see me. Right. So I had to try and come up with some new stuff. Yeah, I've done shows where I, I actually I heard somebody at ESPN say that whenever they ask athletes about their most memorable games, they always bring up a game they lost. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like, oh man, I was like that close, yeah, and I yeah, could have yeah. had it. And those are the shows I always remember. Though, like, I remember doing a show once in Connecticut where I could see a woman had a booklet open, and she was looking through this booklet. She was in the front row, <laughs> and I can't say anything because there's 300 people behind her. No one knows that she's got a booklet open. But I finally went, "What? What are you? What are you doing?" And she goes, "Oh, we're going on vacation in a week." And I went. You're, you're planning a vacation during my show. Like, yeah, that's. I don't. I. It's funny because uh, I try to look at the back of the room, and I kind of just forget there's an audience there. You know, like if I, I feel like if I look at one person, I'm going to get caught up in what they're doing. And I saw Nick DiPaolo walk off the stage and snatch a cell phone from a lady. Really? Yeah, because he told her to put her cell phone away a couple of times. She was texting her daughter, saying how funny Nick DiPaolo was, and he was saying that's that's not appropriate to do it now. And then later on, he walked off stage and took it from her. And uh, Bobby said he saw me. He saw him take a cell phone from a woman and put it in a drink one time. Really? Yeah. So I mean, like, I would never bother. I just ignore her. I don't care. Yeah, I don't think he'll mind me saying this story because he's he's talked about it publicly now. But Steve Byrne used to really rip on people. And oh, that were uh, do it. That were not paying attention, or yeah, he would he would get really like indignant with people in the audience. And he one night at the comic strip in New York, he was arguing with a woman in the crowd who at one point yelled out, "Maybe you're not funny," mm. and he said, "Maybe you're a C." Oh, I like that. <laughs> and he can't see on stage that the girl's boyfriend is standing up, is picking up a metal chair, and is running towards the stage. He can't even see it. Oh, really? And Bouncer's running behind the guy. Big J. Okerson was in the room. He's running behind the Bouncer. And the guy got a clean hit and just hit him right in the face, right on top of his head with Steve a metal chair. Steve Byrne. Steve Byrne and cracked the top Calvin, of Calvin, do we know this? Open. No, I remember the uh, taxi cab incident. That was the second incident. <laughs> that was the second incident. <laughs> so basically what you're saying is Steve Byrne's had a temper problem. He had a temper problem. Yeah. He had a temper problem. And I, I personally got a kick out of it. I remember one time he, he was driving me to LAX, and and he was just simmering because we were at a red light. The red light just turned green, but an old lady was going through the through the crosswalk on a, with a walker, and he just went, unbelievable. <laughs> That's all he said. Unbelievable. But, yeah, but, but Steve, uh, he... He said he, he got hit in the head with a metal chair. He fell down. He said he put his head on his hand, or, or his hand on his head, and he felt his whole hand get soaked. Oh. And he looked, and his hand was covered in blood. He needed staples in his head. Oh, and I again, know this story. He, he has talked about this. I, yeah. I, I helped him get on the Howard Stern show, and I said, if you tell those stories. Steve Perrin's been on the Howard Stern show? Yeah, because uh-huh, uh-huh. he got in a big fight with Sal. Who was doing, said some like Asian jokes that Steve thought was offensive. And I said, I can help you get on the show, but you got to be willing to talk about. Right. You know, the good stuff. Yeah. Usually, if you want to get on the Stern show, you have to risk ruining your personal life. <laughs> right. Well, right, you got to right. be able to admit stuff that you don't want people to know, like, you know, because that's the best content. Yeah. Is stuff that's going to get you in trouble at home. Uh, Eliza Schlesinger told a story about how she was dating this guy who who lied to her about going to Harvard and all that stuff. <laughs> told that story on our show. And we were, I mean, for an hour. And we were like, what? What? And then she's like, I'm doing Rogan next week. We're like, she's like, I was going to think about telling her. We're like, you got to tell that story on Rogan. I'm like, that's amazing. Yeah, of course. Uh, Craig Gass is our guest. Craig is going to be at Visani Comedy Theater, what, Wednesday through Saturday? Wednesday through Saturday, yep. Two Uh, shows on Saturday. I will tell you, he's a funny dude. He does great stories, does great impressions, (laughs) and I love Visani. So you'll be, now, do you know you're performing with anybody? 
Yeah, there's uh, a comedian from New York, Duncan Jay, is coming down, and there was another buddy who wanted to do a guest set. I don't know what night he's going to show up, but um, uh, last time I was here, uh, Steve-O did a guest set. Steve-O was in Florida. Yeah. Yeah, last time I was here, and he showed up at this like dive bar that I was at. And Sounds about right. Yeah, Steve-O. You know what? It was actually when we did that prank call Tom uh, as Tom Arnold. Tom Arnold did a video on TikTok yesterday. Yeah. Where he was acting out, he was doing like a paparazzi outside the house, but he was acting all the parts. So yeah. They would like stop it and then he'd switch sides, and I thought he's lost his mind. <laughs> I've started to think that too. There's yeah. this beautiful woman that's living with him now, his assistant. Have yeah. you seen the videos of his assistant? Yeah, she's beautiful. She's I don't know. Smoking yeah. hot. And he keeps putting her in videos and saying, This is my assistant, but. Everyone that's looking at it is like, God, that girl is hot. And he, and she's living in the house. I don't know what the story is with that. But, uh, but yeah, Tom's... Um, he's losing it. Yeah. Last time we had him in the studio, I was like, he's losing it. He's something... He's nutso. Yeah, he... Uh, stuff and... He got mad at me for doing what I did with you at the Super Bowl. Uh, and uh, as Tom Arnold, yeah. where I, I... It was Super Bowl week, and I, and I joined the show as Tom Arnold saying, Hey, guys, uh... I'm here. It's great. Uh, Super Bowl week. Uh, been going to a cocaine anonymous meeting all week, <laughs> and uh, actually went to a cocaine anonymous meeting with uh, uh, Rob Gronkowski. I probably shouldn't say this out loud, but Rob's a big cokehead. And, uh, and uh, he's uh, his sponsor is uh, is uh, Bob Costas, who's addicted to upskirt porn. And, uh, and again, I shouldn't say that loud, That's but, true. but uh, you know. And then and Tom actually started fighting people on Twitter who were texting or tweeting Same him and saying, too. "Dude, there's supposed mm. to be a non." You're an a uh, Like, yeah, dude, that was, that was really was bad. It's weird, man. I, I, every time I come in and do your show, I always have a plan, and the whole plan goes out the window because I get so caught up in what you guys are talking about. And this time uh, I came in with, like, no plan. I'm like, I'm just going to come in and just... I'm most interested in what radio guys have nicer houses than me. That's what I want to know. Uh, Johnny Dare's got a nice house. I wouldn't say it's as nice as this house. Okay, I like this good. neighborhood. That's good. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. Bob Rivers had a nice estate up in, up <laughs> He's in Seattle. Yeah. He's a rich guy. Um, this but house is... It's okay if they're older than me. I feel like they've had more time. You know, I will Bob say Rivers this. Older than me. I think this house is mm-hmm. nicer just from the... I haven't looked around the house, but this house from the outside looks nicer than Mike McCready's house. Oh, stop. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. Sometimes I watch those Pearl Jam documentaries and... You see inside their houses, and I go, why do that? Like, um, Stone Gossard went to the sink to get a coffee cup, or the cupboard to get a coffee cup, and it had all coffee stain inside. I'm like, you're probably, you should drink it and throw it out when you're done. Yeah. Amazing. His location is nice. It's on the water, but it's a modest house. Yeah. Well, you know, all of us multi it's got an It's got an elevator in it. Oh, does but, it really? My neighbor has an elevator in his house. Really? Yeah, I've never been in it because they don't talk to me, but that is, I found out somebody else told me. That my neighbor's house has an elevator. But really, I mean, look, I'm lazy and I'm fat, and I wouldn't want an elevator to go upstairs. Like, if you put it in, you just put it in so you can tell everybody I'm rich. Yeah. I mean, it's. I don't know what the what the purpose is of that elevator in his I house. I will tell you now, a year from now when you come back. Okay. Upstairs in my house right now. Tom is, Brady will be living Tom, here. He might be. He's, in, he's welcome to. Okay. One side is a guest bedroom, okay. which I sleep in during the week so that my alarm doesn't wake everybody up. And then the other side is empty, and that will be a theater room. Okay. When you come back, that theater room will be done, and it will be some behind some sort of hidden wall. I'm just telling you, that's my goal for next year. Like a push-button reveal? Some Like, I have a bunch of guitars. I'll show you when we're done. A bunch of guitars on the walls, and maybe a guitar, and you pull one down, and the door opens. Like the back know, cave. Like a back cave kind of thing, yeah. That's my goal. Are all these guitars, uh, are they all signed here in this yes, room? Yes, in this room, except, yeah, no, they all. You have an autograph from a guy that, uh, does David Wells live around here? He did, yes. Do you Actually, you know, it was on your show when I found this out. On your show at Super Bowl week, I told David Wells, hey, you and I have a mutual friend, and David Wells snapped on me. <laughs> Why? And it was crazy because he told a completely different version of a story that I knew about him from my buddy. Um, and he said it on your show, so I can yeah, say yeah. this. It was Morgan, the drummer of Seven Dust. Yeah. The drummer of Seven Dust said, oh, you know who's really cool is David Wells. That guy gave me uh, some – or he said, I gave him my drum kit. That's, he did. He gave it to his, he goes, like, his I gave son. it to his son. That's how much I love David Wells. Yeah. 
And when I joined your show from the Super Bowl, hey, we got Dave Wells. Hey, we're being joined by Craig Gass. And I go, hey, Dave, I actually, uh, we have a mutual friend, uh, Morgan. He said he, that he gave you the drum set. He goes, yeah, you know why he gave me the drum set? He goes, did he tell you why? That little <laughs> prick. And I go, <laughs> I go, no. And he said that he, that Morgan was in his house and said, dude, he was looking at some stuff that David Wells had. Can I, dude, can I take this with me? Because Morgan's the biggest, one of the biggest Yankee fans on the planet. Can I, it was a, a, a ball from some game. It was something that David said, man, that ball really means a lot to me. I can't. And he's like, all right, cool. And he saw, when he went to the bathroom, he was watching a security camera and saw Morgan not only stealing it, but stealing other items and putting it in his pants inside Shut David's up. house. Yeah. Because they're still... I think that they're still friends. They're st- well, because David walked up to him and said, all right, buddy, I'll see you later. Thanks for coming over. He goes, yeah. And he goes, by the way, he goes, I saw that you stole that. He goes, you can take it. He goes, what? And he goes, no. He goes, I saw you. He goes, you owe me a drum kit from my kid. Uh, you owe me a drum right. kit. Yeah. And so, and Morgan was like, oh, okay. But that was a story I didn't expect to hear. I got to get details on that. Cause that I, happened I, right I, in front yeah, of you. Yeah, but I don't remember the, I don't know the real, I want to find out the real scoop. You haven't had people tell you, like, does that happen often for you where people go, remember the time, and you, and you have no idea it happened oh, on your I show? I don't know. Ask these guys. I don't remember anything that happened last week. <laughs> uh, I can tell you what happened 20 years ago, but I don't remember when. Like, if you tell me, uh, we play a game sometimes called uh, Guess Who Has Been on the Show, and I'll give three <laughs> names, and we have to guess. Oh, that is shameful. Guesses. Yeah, because we can't remember. Yeah. Although, if everybody, if you try to ask us who the worst comedian we ever had on, we all write down the same answer. Really? Yeah. And it's really weird because he's not that bad of a comedian. He just bombed on our show twice. And was he a dick about it, or did he? I think he's, his dickish attitude is what made us hate him twice. Yeah, he thought he was a superstar. He wasn't. It's Adam Ferrara, I'll yeah. tell you. Really? Yeah. I remember you telling me and that. And everybody's like, oh, he's, we love Adam. He's like, oh, yeah. Go, yeah he's not. Here's a question I'd want to know an answer to. Yeah. How many guests on this show, on the download, have tried to hit hit up Carmen? Every, on the download, on the air. On the air? Yeah. But, like, on. seriously off the air, aggressively off the air. Bill like, Bellamy, that made it weird. Bill Bellamy is married, but he had a posse with him, and he was like, Carmen, give me your number, and we'll call you. Like, Bill Bellamy was like, let us use you as a backup if mm-hmm. we can't find anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right, Carmen? Am I right? I went and hung out with him at the Kennedy. Yeah. Him, him and his boys, yeah. For like, like It was like maybe five minutes, and I felt very uncomfortable because it was my first time at the Kennedy. Yeah. The Kennedy's no longer... Is it open anymore? I think it closed down. We did set her up with a UFC fighter, and uh, they went out and had a real uncomfortable, nobody-was-talking moment in the car. Ooh. Um he- what yeah. was his name? I don't Rashad his name. Evans. Rashad Evans, yeah. Carmen, does does everybody here on the show know every guest you've ever hooked up with? Do they know every guest you've no, ever No, she's a big she's I've, an undercover banger. She's an undercover I've, banger? Yeah. I've never hooked up with any of the guests. I don't uh, I'm sorry. Oh god, dude. I you know what, even over even not looking at her face. Yeah. I know you she's lying. You can hear yeah. the smile in her face when she right. said it. Yeah. No, yeah, like the ones he's telling you are the like those are the ones that I went and hung out with, but I've never hooked up with anybody. <laughs> right, I'll give you. We've had we've had mutual friends. Oh, he was a guest. I forgot yeah. about that. Uh, <laughs> we've had a couple, yeah. had a couple of mutual friends that we found out afterwards or something like that. You know, I had a friend one time when we do an afternoons that Carmen was making sweet love to that called me in the middle of the day and he goes, "Hey, Carmen, might be late for work today," and I was like, I "What? Yeah." <laughs> uh, that was all right. Hey, uh, well, we got to take a break. We've all right. Gone. Thank you so much for coming to the house. Thank you um, for making me believe that my house is as nice as Mike McCready's. Yeah, it is. And it's actually bigger than, than somewhere McCready's. between Johnny Dare and Bob Rivers. I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, we will take a break and we'll be back. It's Mike Cal to show. This is one zero two five. The Bone. Go see. Craig Gass at Visani Comedy Theater <laughs> Wednesday through Saturday this, of this week. I think it's Visani's dot net. Yep. Or you can go to my site, getgas.com. Get- Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.